stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Why don't we begin, though, with what happened in New York yesterday uh, that is being treated as a terror attack? An individual rented a truck, deliberately drove into a popular bike path in lower Manhattan, uh, killing eight, wounding several others. Apparently, the suspect, when he got out of the truck, was yelling, Allahu Akbar, Arabic for God is great. And it's become abundantly clear that this was a radicalized individual. What is not clear, though, is whether there's any formal connection here to ISIS. Was he part of a terror cell? Were others working with him? Or was this an individual who became radicalized himself, took it upon himself to do this for the cause? And if it's the latter, maybe similar to what we saw in Edmonton, or at least the attempt in Edmonton, that's a real challenge. How do we know who these individuals are? How do we guard against this? Now, there's been some suggestion uh, today, I think ABC News was reporting, that that maybe this guy was on the radar of law enforcement a couple of years ago. Uh, But when it comes to to people online, how do you sort out the real threats from the big talkers? Uh, So Seifolo Saipov is his name, came to the United States in 2010 from Uzbekistan. uh, And at some point, while in the U.S., became radicalized. Well, joining us uh, for some more thoughts on what transpired in New York, uh, very pleased to welcome to the program Ross McLean. He's a crime specialist, security expert with Ross McLean Security. Ross, thanks for joining us here this morning. Yeah, good to be with you. You're asking some good questions there, Rob, and I think some of those answers are going to be uh, forthcoming from this particular case. What stands out to you, though, in terms of the big questions here today? Well, the big question that stands out to me is the network that's affiliated with uh, that causes and allows these quotes, I call them quotes, lone wolves, because I don't believe that they are lone wolves. Uh, we're finding out just just recently in the past hour or so that investigators have spoken to this man. He's alive. He's out of surgery. And while he's refusing to answer questions, he is appear- appearing to boast and be gleeful about his attack, that he was glad that he was able to run over and kill eight people. He said, uh, apparently, that he was sorry he ran into the school bus. He didn't want to uh, hurt any kids, uh, but that stopped him from proceeding from where he was going. So I think what's going to happen, they've already looked at his phone, and there's reports that on his phone they have found uh, where he's been reading uh, ISIS propaganda, uh, that sort of thing. We know that he had a bag with him that had a a note that, that pledged his allegiance to ISIS, as well as an ISIS flag and some knives. So a lot of this information is starting to come out. In terms of how sophisticated this was, I mean, it doesn't take much for someone to rent a truck and, and plow into a crowd of people. He, he did have some kind of a, a weapon, but was it a, a BB gun or a paintball gun, something along those lines? So I don't know if he necessarily had the, the sophisticated plan for any kind of a, a massive death toll, but we see what even something unsophisticated like this, uh, what kind of carnage it can create. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, in this case, the school bus, and, you know, we're hearing, I'm hearing some reports that the school bus might have even pulled in front of the car on purpose to stop it. But regardless, that stopped it. He was heading in the direction of the World Trade Center in New York. He would have continued along that bike path and probably would have liked to have had his last stand in front of the, um, in front of the World Trade Center. Uh, so certainly this was what's called a high value status target. Uh, so that's another thing that indicates that it was linked to 
ISIS. But I, I think what we're also going to find, uh, what the sophisticated part of this is, you're right, renting a truck and running people over is not sophisticated. What is sophisticated is how do you radicalize someone to the point that they would commit a, a murderous, heinous act like this uh, in the U.S. and keep them under wraps until it's time for them to do the act. That's the more sophisticated part of this that I think we're going to find out some answers to. Well, that's certainly a big question. Now, what's interesting is typically that, that ISIS tends not to claim responsibility when the suspects are captured alive. Uh, I don't know if it's because they, they value martyrdom or, or if it's seen as a, a failure if you're taken alive. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, well, that's a question. I think that they will end up uh, claiming it. They'll, they'll find a connection uh, to it, I'm almost certain, with the, with the background here uh, for it. But most definitely, they're disappointed uh, when they're not killed at the scene of doing it. You know, one of the things that people don't understand, uh, and it actually took me a while to understand this, too, when this terrorism started rearing up its head and coming over to Canada and North America to deal with it, is that they actually are looking forward to dying while committing these heinous acts because they believe that that's what sends them forward and up onto heaven and to get all the rewards, dying in the cause for doing it, not living in the cause, but dying. So that motivation is something that's different that I think we need to understand better on a wider basis here in North America. All right, what does it tell us about the nature of this threat? I mean, we had someone in Edmonton uh, attempt to do something like this, uh, and, and certainly there were some people injured. Fortunately, nobody killed. Uh, obviously, this was, was much worse. Uh, so this is really something that, that's difficult to, to guard against. It is difficult to guard against, but the, the, I think what you're going to see happen is you cannot defend against these sort of things. If your only play is defense, I mean, you'll have all of every city in the world will be surrounded by bullards with armed police people standing by and life right. won't go on. I think what you're going to find is you're going to see, particularly with the U.S. president in place, and I believe that the U.K. has mentioned this as well, too, they're going to more be more directly now going after the network and following the network and finding the radicalizers because they don't really have a physical caliphate anymore. What they have is a virtual caliphate that lives on the Internet, that has the cells of these people who can be uh, brought up to do these attacks in various countries all over the world. And I think you're going to find a more stronger emphasis on finding who the radicalizers are in dealing with the radicalizers of these people. Well, and would they have been targeting this guy directly, or is it simply a case of uh, putting the propaganda out there, putting these videos out there, uh, telling these people, just in general, whoever's listening, uh, that, that, you know, the West is evil, we need to bring the fight to them, take it into your own hands, kill the infidels, etc. They, they seem to be putting it out for a, a wider audience. Yeah, well, they, they put it out, to the, the net, to find, you know, what I'll call sort of useful idiots, many of these people. And what they are is, is they look for people who've got a weak identity, so they're not sure who they are or what they're going to do. Uh, they don't feel accepted in the places they're at. That's why you sometimes see that it's either first or second generation immigrants uh, that come. They don't feel accepted. Uh, ISIS is very good at working the identity control of getting them to listen to it, buy into it. Uh, they glamorize it uh, for the fighters who go over to fight. They offer them drugs, women, and sex slaves, and the chance to shoot them up like they do in video games. And for these uh, ones who are doing acts like this, they they find a way of convincing them. They get them turned over. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see. He apparently has a wife that he would have married over here if it was within the last five years. He has an Ohio uh, marriage license, apparently, they found on him, and two young children. 
And what we have found, Rob, is that in some of these cases that have taken place in the U.S., there's always a woman that's involved that helps to get the person uh, roped along and doing the work and doing the things that takes place. We've seen the women take place in the attacks with them and also just be around them and supporting them as they go about doing it. So I think that'll be something to be looked into. How did he manage to find this woman? How did this woman get him uh, to act? And is that part of the network as well? I think we'll find some of that out. In terms then of, of the collapse of ISIS, or at least the collapse of their caliphate, do, does that discredit them at all in the minds of, of these people? Because ISIS has been able to sell this notion that we're, we're, we're fulfilling God's plan, we're building this caliphate, that this is what you need to fight and die for. The fact that ISIS uh, is, is losing, that they're on the run, that they've lost their caliphate, does that not discredit their ideas in, in the minds of these people? Well, that's certainly some of the plan, as, as even the president announced that his was that was his idea to call them losers and stop dressing them up and allowing them to be uh, so romantic out that way. But, you know, as, as is the case with this, it's never an easy answer. Uh, it, it appears with this, there's so many different sects within the, uh, the Islamic religion. Now, this fellow here, he, he's wearing what's called the Southwest beard for the Southwest version of Islam, which is the most... Uh, conservative and radical version of it, where they have the full beard, but they shave the upper lip. Right. That's an indication of that he belongs to that sect, which that was born out of the Wahhabi sect that was in Saudi Arabia, uh, that has a lot of uh, terrorists that they've sent up to fight uh, in Uzbekistan and into the former Soviet Union, uh, where he was from. So that's a bit of the tie-in that goes here with that as well. Uh, for doing it. We'll have to find out when he switched over to that. Did he come over with that, or did that something that happened when he came here? Yeah, a lot of questions. Hopefully we'll get some answers in the coming days. Uh, More at RossMcLeanSecurity.com. Ross, appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us here this morning. Thanks so much. All right, that is uh, Ross uh, McLean, security expert, RossMcLeanSecurity.com. Some thoughts from him on what transpired in New York yesterday. So here's the story today from ABC News. The suspected New York City attacker, Seifullo Saipov, was interviewed in 2015 by federal agents in the Department of Homeland Security Investigations Unit about possible ties to suspected terrorists. But agents did not have enough evidence to open a case on him. This according to law enforcement officials who spoke with ABC News. Saipov's name and address was listed as a point of contact for two different men whose names were entered into the Counterterrorism and Criminal Exploitation Units list after they came to the U.S. from so-called threat countries. One of the two men has vanished and is being actively sought by federal agents as a suspected terrorist. Saipov is 29, came to the U.S. from Uzbekistan through a diversity visa program lottery in 2010, making him a legal permanent resident of the United States upon arrival. He has lived in Ohio, Florida, most recently Patterson, New Jersey, where federal agents interviewed him in 2015. Authorities say Saipov claimed in a handwritten note found near his truck that he carried out Tuesday's attack on behalf of ISIS. Investigators searching Saipov's online activities have found social media links to people who are or were subjects of terror investigation. However, the portrait that is emerging so far is of someone who found ISIS propaganda online with no sense that he was part of a cell or in any way directed to do this. But that's something important to find out here, obviously. Our number, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Welcome back. Rob Breckenridge in for Daniel Smith here today, 403-974-8255. Talking about this uh, attack in New York yesterday, which apparently is linked to ISIS. Certainly the suspect himself claims that link, claims that he did it for the Islamic State. And is apparently quite proud of what he did. He was captured alive. 
and uh, hopefully we'll learn more. It looks as though, uh, in fact, as we speak, authorities in New York are briefing the media on what they now know about this guy. Uh, that apparently he'd been preparing for weeks for this attack. So, in terms then of what we know about his own movements, his own planning, I think that's important, but a bigger question, of course, are, are there others connected to this? Were there people who helped him do this? Were there people who directed him to do this? Was he part of a wider network? So that's a big question. Uh, this text here, 403-974-TALK, says, I'd like to know his travel habits. Perhaps, like many of the radical, they radicalize here, but they are trained and hardened while overseas on a visit. Well, does this kind of thing really require much training? Go rent a truck, drive it into a crowd of innocent people. That's not really something you need to train for. You just need to be brainwashed in the ideology. Once you're willing to do it, really, that's all the training you need. All right, let's go to the phones here. 974-TALK is the number. We'll say good morning to Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Uh, Rob, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just want to say, you know what? I'm getting a little annoyed and irked. Every time there's a, a, an incident with these people, we automatically give them the acknowledgement, oh, they're with ISIS, they said they were. Anyone can say, oh, they were with ISIS, I right. did this in the name of this and that. I'm just getting sick and tired of giving these people the publicity because this is what they want. And even the guy from Vegas, apparently ISIS took responsibility for that, saying, oh, uh, he worked for us. Let's shut them down completely. I mean, if they did it, they did it. If they were with them, they're with them. But let's not give them the time of day. They're getting free advertising, and they're sick people. I agree with Trump on this. They're weirdos, okay? They're absolutely weirdos, and they need to be stopped. But you know what? The more we talk about it, the more they're getting under our skin, and they know that. And I just want to put an end to this nonsense, and let's get on with with business and let's save people's lives i don't want to throw all these people under a bus because i have a lot of nice people and friends that are muslim but there's the odd weirdo out there and there's always going to be a freak it doesn't matter what walk of life they're from but let's not give them the time of day because now all of a sudden in his mind he's a superhero you know what i'm saying well he thought he thought that the moment he got out of that truck right yes and i just want to say one thing I honestly believe that unless our government here in Canada gets tough with these people who commit these acts, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Rob, we won't even be able to visit each other. It will get that crazy. We don't know who to trust. We don't know who to get, whose cab to get in. Oh, my God, as a Muslim driver, my God, he works for ISIS. He might crash. The, yeah, well, let's the see. Cab. We don't want to get paranoid, right? We don't yeah, want to live right. in a paranoid society. So what do you mean when you no. say we, we need to get tough? What, what do you mean? Well, we need to we need to stop acknowledging them because I think that's why they do what they do because we're giving them acknowledgement. As well, okay, we're always going to know that somebody is going to do it for whatever reason. Listen, my brother does crazy stuff because he doesn't like his wife, but we don't go around telling people, oh, he does it because he doesn't like his wife. So therefore, he doesn't he stop doing whatever he's doing. But if you keep saying, oh. Yeah, Brad did this because he had a fight with his wife. Brad did this because he had a fight. He keeps doing garbage like that. But we got to stop acknowledging these crazy people, and we got to ship them back to where they came from. I mean, if they're born here, we're stuck with them. What can we do? But 
if they're from the other country, let's ship them back, revoke their permanent resident card or even citizenship. That's when this is why I miss Harper. He was a no-nonsense prime minister. You commit the act, back you go. Put them back in a crate and ship them back. We don't have time for this garbage. You know what I'm saying? Right, and, is, and that well, okay. Garbage. Sure, and, and that may happen here with this guy, right? I mean, they yeah. have him alive, and maybe they will end up uh, deporting him. Presumably, they'll want to prosecute him first. But in terms of yeah. us talking about it, right, because I saw that there were some media outlets yesterday who were getting criticized yeah. because they didn't mention the terrorism angle. They didn't mention that he shouted Allahu Akbar when he got out of the, the vehicle. Uh, that, I don't want us to be in a position where we're suppressing that information, where we don't want to tell people what actually happened. And people deserve to know what happened, why it happened, right? And well, sure, that I'll means that means this. giving him attention. I'll tell you this. Guess what? They said on CNN, oh, uh, well, he's probably going to raise the insanity card at his trial. Duh! What did you think he's going to do? Of course he's insane. You don't need to be a, a, a psychiatrist to figure that out. What person of sound mind is going to do what this man did? What person of sound mind is going to do what the guy from Vegas did? Duh! I mean, I'm so sick and tired. Yes, let's tell the people, oh, he claimed to be with ISIS, but you know what? He's a freak, so we won't go any further with it. I mean, they make it sound like this guy really was recruited, bred, and so on and so forth. But we don't know. I, I just I just don't want to give them any more power because I am sick and tired. When I was growing up, Rob, in school, we never heard about this crazy group. The craziest thing, like, I, I don't know, I, I can't even imagine why we're even talking about this every day. It's scaring the living crap out of all of us. And, and there's no need to live in fear. You no, I agree with that. People. You come to work every day. You're respectful to people. I don't fear you. Like, I mean, why would I be afraid of you? Why would you be afraid of me? But the minute we see these people from this part of the world, we, are, we slam on the brakes. We're hesitant. Why should we have to treat them like that? They should be treated as human beings. But there's a select few that tell us, be careful because we might snap and you'll go down. And that's what I'm scared about. Okay. Jordan, all right. I appreciate the phone call. A lot to unpack there. And this came up after the Edmonton incident as well. How much publicity do we give these guys? There's no ignoring what happened in New York yesterday. We got eight people dead, many more injured, and someone who claims to have done it for a political and religious ideology. I I don't think that that we in the media would be responsible if we suppress that news. I don't think we need to continue mentioning the guy's name at every opportunity. Maybe we, we can address that side of things. Uh, but this happened, and it happened for a reason. Sure, there's a question about whether he's formally a member of ISIS, whether he got his ISIS badge uh, and a set of instructions from the boss, or whether he just decided that that's the kind of person he wanted to be. That's the kind of ideology he wanted to buy into, and he did it for that reason. I mean, that's the thing with ISIS. You don't necessarily need a membership card and a set of instructions. You buy into their ideology and take it upon yourself. You can, you can do this. So, yeah, he claims to have done it on behalf of ISIS. That doesn't necessarily mean that he was trained and recruited and given a membership card by the organization itself. But I, I think certainly we have to talk about these issues, don't we? I think there is, and and I find it interesting. I'm curious what you make of this, because we see when there's a mass shooting, like what happened in Las Vegas, there's a knee-jerk reaction from the left to go after guns, go after gun owners. And I get the sense that after something like this, there's a similar kind of knee-jerk reaction on the right to, to go after Muslims. 
Obviously, we shouldn't look at gun owners as a threat, and I don't think we should look at Muslims as a whole as a threat. Uh, Certainly, there are some gun owners maybe who shouldn't own guns who may be a threat, and certainly there are some Muslims, too, uh, who can become radicalized and do indeed become a threat. So I don't think in the aftermath of a mass shooting we can totally ignore the gun angle, and certainly after an incident like this, we clearly cannot ignore the religion angle. So I think we can have reasonable conversations about these things, but unfortunately it gets very polarized very quickly. I want to read some more text here off the top of this hour. 974-TALK is our number uh, about what happened in New York yesterday and also the point about how we talk about all of this. Uh, text here says perhaps calling them misguided individuals rather than terrorists would be a good way to take the prestige to wannabes. Well, maybe. And then we're going to get criticized for being politically correct. Right. And wasn't that something Trump was ranting about for a long time last year? We, we were afraid to say the word Islamic terrorism. So if we in the media stop saying terrorism, well, what do you think the response is going to be? You politically correct blankety blanks. You can't even say the T word. Shame on you. So in some ways, we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. Uh, Another one here says, by giving ISIS publicity, Rob, the media allows terrorist organizations to perpetuate the fear that they are attempting to spread. The media is doing exactly what they and every other extremist wants. That's just my opinion, but I'm guessing I'm pretty damn close to the truth. Maybe. Uh, People can decide for themselves, I guess, whether to be afraid. This is what happened. Here's how many people died. Here's how many people were injured. If if that makes you afraid, well, there's no controlling that. The, the argument that we should suppress the news to protect people from their own fear, I'm uncomfortable with that. So, look, this happened. We can talk about it. We can call this guy a scumbag. Whatever else we want to dis- use, what other words we want to use to describe him. A loser, loner, scumbag. Worse than that, if you want. That's fine. But I don't think we can ignore what happened or pretend that it didn't happen. Uh, got another text here from Phil, says friends and family knew what he was up to. Maybe that's where we need to start. Perhaps we should have radicalization awareness training for our kids in school, just like we have kids aware of abuse, etc. Let's train them about these things so they can tell someone of authority when they witness this going on, whether it's a friend or family or within their own preventative measures. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what kind of a, a family and friend network he had around him and whether they did know, not necessarily that he was planning something like this, but he was becoming radicalized because there are obvious changes in people when they start to go through this. How they appear, right, as our guest talked about earlier, even things like their beard, how they dress, obviously how they talk. Things change, and people notice that. So at what point do you need to call the police? Because you're probably going to get laughed at if you call the police and say, yeah, my friend uh, changed his beard. I think he's going to go blow someone up. I don't know that they can take that seriously. But if there's something much more specific, yeah, maybe you do need to. And I think, you know, it's a challenge, obviously, for authorities in realizing who's a big talker uh, and who's a serious threat. But at least to put some of these people on their radar... Maybe that's a start. Problem is, we saw here, it sounds like this guy was on the radar of law enforcement. Same thing in Edmonton. That guy was on the radar of law enforcement. You can't monitor them 24-7. So what do we do? Uh, Another text here says, yeah, okay, let's just ignore terrorist attacks and the lives lost. Ridiculous. I don't think we can ignore it. 
And we're going to have different opinions on how to respond to it, but it happened. And I don't think we can sweep that under the rug. Let's go back to the phone. So some more time for your calls. We've got uh, Peter on the line here. Peter, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, your earlier caller, I totally disagree with him. We, the public, deserve and need to know every every detail that uh, that comes across. But what, what, what's missing in the West is uh, is the ulterior motive of of folks like this, uh, and 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 it has to do with the desire to create a, a one world caliphate. And they will not succeed, but there's you know they're going to continue trying, and until they realize that. They have to live with other religions and other peoples in the world uh, peacefully. Uh, they're going to continue this, this this garbage. Right. Well, it's not an ulterior motive. I mean, that's their primary motive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we need to realize that and understand it and counteract it. And, and some of their own people, like friends and relatives, need to counteract it, too. Yeah. That's true. Peter, I appreciate the phone call. I mean, it certainly helps that uh, ISIS does no, lo- no longer has a caliphate to point to. So I think they, they should hopefully lose credibility as an organization in that sense, because I think there was a real appeal to, to these radicals or people who were open to that kind of radicalization that, well, look what we built. We are building this caliphate. It is, you know, religious prophecy, but it's all a fraud. And, and hopefully people will see through that. Anyway, let's go back to the phones here. We got uh, David on the line. David, good morning. Yes, good morning. <clears throat> if uh, the police are an extension of our whole community... And they've said that many times they, uh, by themselves, they can't police everything. Then uh, it would, I would think it would be up to the Islamic community that's here to help assist. And this is a psychological war. This isn't a uh, World War II bunch of bullets and guns and planes and stuff. This is theology and, and philosophy and psychology, psychological, as I say, psychological mm-hmm. warfare. So that being said, if members of the Islamic community who wish to be good Canadians and wish to, uh, you know, exist peace, peacefully and peaceably within our society, they have, it's, it's incumbent upon them to help. And I would suggest <clears throat> that one way to uh, assist would be to ask in a very forceful way that their mosque and all of their... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Priests or... Uh, They're imams? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. That they be required to publish on their mosque website their complete sermons for everything they do. That way there, they do two things. Number one, they put a safeguard against the any imam that's that's trying to radicalize their their people. And number two, it's a tool that allows the police force within the country to observe without trying to infiltrate every mosque with you know, what we would call spies or whatever. And uh, it would be an opportunity for the Islamic community to say, look, we're trying to help. Well, okay, David, it's an interesting idea. Appreciate the phone call. I mean, certainly, I, I think they are trying them. I mean, the guy in Edmonton, it was uh, other members of the community who reported to authorities that, look, this, this guy is becoming radicalized. He's, he's, you know, spewing this ISIS ideology. We're worried. So they're the ones that came forward and reported that. Uh, there, there's no indication, certainly with that guy, there's no indication here that any of this radicalization occurred within a mosque, uh, let alone in a, a sermon from the imam. But so much of this happens online. 
So, look, if, I think if there's a legitimate cause to investigate a, an imam or a mosque, and we've had incidents in Canada, even recently, where there's been some concerning things said in sermons by certain imams, uh, then we can investigate that. And I think police certainly should when it's warranted to, to sort of have blanket ongoing surveillance of, of all mosques in, in Canada and the U.S. I don't know that we have the resources to do that. And I, it seems to, to run afoul of the kind of society I think we, we want to be. 403-974-8255 is our telephone number. Quick break here. We're going to come back. More time for your calls and your texts. Stay with us. An interesting point made by uh, Rukmini Kalamaki, who's a reporter with the New York Times and covers uh, ISIS and other radical groups. Uh, and there was something important that was noted at the news conference this morning. She says officials were asked what the note said that was left by the attacker. In Arabic, it said, the Islamic State will endure forever. The ISIS slogan, she said, is, it says is Bakiya, B-A-Q-I-Y-A, from the Arabic meaning remaining or enduring. She says, it's, uh, it's this word that I saw spray-painted all over Mosul, which was under ISIS control. She says, I can't overstate how closely tied the phrase the Islamic State remains, or the Islamic State endures forever, is with the terror group. Last year in their magazine, Focusing on vehicular attacks, ISIS instructed their followers to use a truck to crush people. And less well-known is the fact that the same issue instructed the attacker to leave notes at the scene which make his allegiance to ISIS known. So that's significant, that he's using a, a pivotal ISIS slogan in this note, and he's following the uh, advice given to followers by ISIS through one of their official media channels. So it talks about the goal of making Allah's word supreme and so that the motive of the attack is acknowledged. An example of such would be simply writing on dozens of sheets of paper, the Islamic State will remain, or I am a soldier of the Islamic State, prior and launching them from the vehicle's window during the execution of the attack. So this is some very specific advice from, from ISIS. So again, they don't need to phone this guy or email this guy directly and tell him all of this. They're putting this out in their own magazine, an online magazine to their followers, that anybody who wishes to take up the advice, please do so. And here's how you should do it. So step one is radicalizing these individuals, making them open to these suggestions. And then step two is putting these suggestions out there. Here's what you should do. Get a truck. Run over people. As she says, ISIS even brainstorms about what specific phrase the note should use. And one of them is the Islamic State will remain, which is apparently what this guy wrote, more or less. So he obviously got this idea from somewhere, and it seems pretty clear where he got the idea. So how did he get to the point where he was open to these ideas and willing to act on them? That's going to be a key question, because I think it's important to understand what went wrong with this guy and how to prevent others from going down a similar path. 974-8255, got a text here. It says, moderate Muslims are the ones that will see their own radicalized and fix this global problem, which I think is an interesting point, because uh, isn't that what we want to happen? Don't we kind of need that to happen? I, so I think we do need to take sides in, in this struggle. And I think it is a struggle within the religion itself. I, I don't know if theologically the moderates have a stronger case or the fundamentalists have a stronger case. It's kind of a moot point as far as I'm concerned. 
moderate Muslims aren't a threat to us. Moderate Muslims aren't a threat to our society. So that's the side I want to see win. So sure, I think we do have a vested interest in that struggle. I think we need to know who our allies are within the faith, and they do exist. So I don't think it's us against Islam. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's a struggle within Islam, and I think we need to take sides. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.